0: Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to cosign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. PhDs now but you're on the CNN DB let's talk about negligence ignorance is bliss we can turn into intelligence please none know what you hear half of what you see let's break it down here on Dr. voice TV are And are uh,
1: I am really excited today to have uh, the honor and pleasure of having a conversation with a brother for whom I have tremendous respect uh, Chris Bussard is uh, a well-respected journalist uh, he is on uh, it's Fox Sports, right? Make sure I say Fox that Sports. Correctly. Yep. Yeah, Fox, I do a
2: radio show called The I Couple on Fox Sports Radio, and then i uh, I'm on the at Fox Sports One television network on all the TV
0: shows.
1: All right, and uh, and most importantly, most importantly, my brother Chris is a man of integrity. Uh, I've seen Chris uh, take on the firestorm head on, and uh, he didn't buckle. He didn't hold. He 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 wasn't on his knees apologizing the next day, (laughs) and uh, and for that I've always respected him. Uh, And so, first of all, I want to ask my brother Chris, how you doing today, man?
2: I'm great, man. I'm great. It's great to be on, man. You've been doing some awesome stuff. Um, You know, I've seen Ice Cube, I've seen Judge Joe Brown, I've seen uh, Claude Anderson. I mean, this is you've been you've been. Putting some great stuff together lately, man, and and I really value what you're doing on your network, um, because it's 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 much needed.
1: Well, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that, <clears throat> and the feelings entirely mutual. You know, I think it's um, you know, I, I, w- I was looking forward to talking to you, man, because I feel like right now, uh, the, you know, the men are talking. You know, like I, we, you know, everybody else is talking. Now the men are talking, and uh, and so you know that would would include Judge Joe Brown and Claude Anderson and Ice Cube and everyone else. Um, and, I, and, and a lot of brothers and, and strong women in the community uh, are feeling some kind of way right now <clears throat> because uh, we're in the middle of a heated political situation. Uh, we'll let, we can just begin with Ice Cube, uh, you know, a guy that both of us have worked with on you know, some level. And uh, Ice Cube goes to um, the Republic, the Democrats with a contract with Black America that he worked uh, with a, a team of individuals to put together. It wasn't just him, it was yourself and a lot of other people who are very, very bright and uh, he went to the Biden camp. Uh, they kind of blew him off a little bit. They didn't really take it seriously. So then he said, OK, because I represent Black people, I'm going to go over to the other side because uh, racial healing is a bipartisan issue. It's not something where we can only talk to one side or the other. At least that's his assessment. And then there was all the pushback. A lot of what I saw to be propaganda, you know, like, oh, well, hey, who's this rapper? Who, who said he's qualified to put together this plan? And, and so let's just start with that so people can have facts and information. When people say, you know, that when they act like ICE Cube just woke up one morning and said, let me just write a plan for Black America. Uh, I know that's not true. You know that's not true. Uh, explain to people uh, what you know about the process in terms of how that plan was actually constructed.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, anybody that looks at the plan, the contract with Black America, you can see that it was well thought out. And it was put together with a team of people, not just Ice Cube's own brainchild. I mean, obviously he was a huge part of it, but he put some time into this. This wasn't, you know, just something he threw together. And the ironic thing, as you mentioned about the Democrats, they, they were critical, so critical of, say, Laura Ingram and, and that people of that ilk for telling LeBron James, shut up and dribble. And rightly so. They should have been critical of her, right? but they essentially told Ice Cube, shut up and rap. That's really what they did. When they say, oh, you're not qualified, you coming out of nowhere, who are you? They told him shut up and rap or entertain us. And so I thought that was very ironic that that's the tack that they kind of took, even though they were nice about it and we'll do it after the election and all that. But as far as going back to how the whole thing got started, uh, I'm not exactly sure what sparked Ice Cube to start thinking about the contract with Black America. I think it was just concern over our community. I mean, obviously, throughout his career, he's shown concern for, for Black, the Black community, you know, from F the Police all the way up to his positive movies that he's made. And, you know, I think he's just trying to, looking at this situation, and sick of every 20 years or so, we have to revolt. You know, we did it in the 60s, we did it in the early 90s, we're doing it now because justice has not been served, not only by the police force and the criminal justice system, but economically and educationally. So I think that's what led him to start putting it together. What happened was myself and a group of other men I was working with, most notably a guy named Rob Jones who worked on Wall Street, and who uh, is, a, is now owns his own financial consulting firm, we put together something called Neo-Reconstruction. And it was based on, you, you'll know, you know, of course, that right out of slavery, the Republican Party created reconstruction. And that was, you know, the, the federal government's troops were in the South to enforce it. Blacks were giving civil rights, voting rights, the same things we had to go get again in the 1960s. We had those in the 1860s and 70s. And it was a time where things were looking up for us. We had, a, we had 2,000 elected black officials and you know, congressmen, senators, things like that. And so we it ended after eight to 10 years, of course. And then Jim Crow came in and obviously the rest is history. So we said, look, it's time for a new reconstruction. So the term neo-reconstruction. And not only, again, in the criminal justice system, but economically and educationally, because we think it's just going to keep happening if we don't deal with those issues. So we put together our neo-reconstruction plan. And as we were finishing it up, I saw that Ice Cube released his contract with Black America. And I know him from, you know, meeting him at Fox, and he's been on my radio show, and, you know, I've interviewed him a few times for different things. And so I reached out to him, and I said, look, I love your contract with Black America. We're doing something called Neo Reconstruction that's very similar. Let's let's rap about it. So we both started getting together, his team, with our team. And we started talking about it. And, and Roland, you, you've looked at the contract with Black America. What they both really are, are reparations it, with, a di- with different language. But they're reparations. And um, we both feel strongly that that's really the answer for our current plight at, you know, the race, the race situation in this country from both sides. Whites will never get over white guilt. Or this white fear of you know a black backlash if we ever get in power that we gonna try to do the same thing they did to us they'll never get over that until they really give us what ju- what they should you know and and we'll never get over this tension that we have with black with America until there, there's a reckoning um, it's like if I came to your house voice and stole your car and then a week later. I come back and I'm sorry, man, my bad. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry, I really am. But I never gave you the car back. And I'm driving the car and I'm being nice to you. I'm seeing you, hey, what's up, man? I'll give you bus fare. You don't have a car, I'll give you bus fare or I'll pick you up even. If you need a ride to work, I can pick you up occasionally. All that's well and good, right? but there's going to be an issue there's going to be tension you're going to be looking at me sideways until i give you the car back or buy you a new one or something like that that's just how it is and that's the racial issue in america we looking at white america sideways as we should because they they've never paid us back it took them till when 2009 even apologize for slavery And to me, the Democrats are kind of like the ones, they're being nice. Oh yeah, I'll pick you up, you need a ride? I'll I'll, I'll give you bus fare, you need to get to work. But they are not giving us the car back, you know? And, And so that's, I really think that reparations in some way, shape or form is in order. I don't think it's nearly as complicated as people try to make it. I'm not saying it's simple, but you know, that's an excuse. It's not that complicated. They've given reparations to all other groups. They did the Marshall Plan for, for Germany after World War II. So they can they can do something if they want to. So both, both things are like reparations. So we started working with Q. We said, look, you can use Neo Reconstruction. You can incorporate it into the contract with Black America. And so we we still doing our thing, working on that. And he's pushing the contract and what happened was, you know, Ice Cube is smart, man. I mean, you, you obviously can just look back at his days at NWA and when he left to know he's a master marketer at getting his, I mean, the big three, all that. He can get his message out. And so after the Democratic National Convention, he went on and he said, uh, you know, he did a, a video on Instagram and social media saying, what's in it for us? What are we getting out of this? I ain't hear them mentioning Black people. I ain't hear them talking about what they're going to do for us, what they're going to give us. And we need to demand something of our vote. Got over 2 million hits. And then both the Democrats and Republican Party reached out to him. And as you said, the Democrats were kind of like brushed it off. We'll talk to you after the election. This is good. But, you know, we're not doing anything right now. And the Republicans reached out and were more... Uh, open to what he was suggesting and what he was talking about. And that's kind of where the situation stands. And and again, he's not endorsing Donald Trump. I'm not endorsing Donald Trump, but we're both saying we should demand. I actually think, boys, Black people are, it's late now because we've kind of wasted this time, but Black people are really in a great position politically in this election or we could have been because the democrats don't have a chance without the black vote i mean they don't have a chance unless they get 80 percent or 85 percent of the black vote if not more and so we need to say to them and this is how q feels as well we need to say to them if you don't give us this this and this then we're not voting for you we not, we not, we not saying we voting for Donald Trump, but we not voting for you. And they would have no choice, but to give us what we asked, but we're not making any demands. And, and look, obviously I cover the NBA. I'm very supportive of the players. And I think what they did in the bubble, speaking out for so, against social injustice was great. I love LeBron James more than a vote, you know, campaign that he has but it bothers me that we have seen not just the athletes but the black community in general has adopted the posture and the view that all we need to do is get trump out like once if if once biden is president it's all good and we can relax and everything will be great and and, and it's all we've solved it you know black lives matter it's all and I'm saying, hold up. I mean, not that I want Trump in or whatever, but it, this was happening. Black, unarmed Black people were getting shot down under Barack Obama. Black, the Black Lives Movement actually started under Barack Obama. Think about that. We had a Black president and we needed a Black Lives Matter movement. And so... That is, I fear that if Biden wins, we're gonna, as a people, we're gonna relax, exhale, and think we're all good. It's, it, man, we got through those, that, that tragedy. No, <laughs> it was going on during Obama, during Clinton, during Bush, both Bushes, right? Like, come on. And so that's what's disconcerting to me. And we have to know whoever, and whether it's Trump again, whether it's Biden again, or Biden. We still have to be building. We still have to be making demands. And I'll just wrap up with this on this point. I'm, I don't like the way the Democratic Party is treating us because mm. I think they're treating us like children, mm. you know, and, and we're buying into it. So they're just doing what they think is going to work. But when I see memes of Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris in Timberlands, and we all excited because she wearing Timberland boots. I mean, really? When I see, you know, them go her them be to being interviewed by Cardi B and, and this and that, and I'm like, sit down with a real journalist, sit down with Boyce Watkins and get questioned. I mean, they are playing us like we're children. Like, oh, let's just get let's just show them we like rap. And you know, and I look, I respect Angela Rye and I like her. But I was, I, I was the when she asked Kamala Harris that question about who your favorite rapper alive is or who the best rapper alive is. The only thing worse than Kamala's answer of Tupac <laughs> was the question. Like, I love hip hop, hip hop is my favorite form of music to this day. But I couldn't care less who the vice presidents. Favorite rapper is. I'm sorry. And we're that's how we being played. Like we just, oh, tell us you like hip hop, tell us you like sports, tell us you like black people. And we go and we fall in hook, line, and sinker for it. And it's just disappointing, man.
1: Well, everybody, first of all, I want to say, um, I want to let you all know if you just came in who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the one and only Chris Broussard, and you can instantly see why. I was very happy to bring him in. This this brother keeps it 100, and I respect him for that. Also, could you do this as you come in? Please hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up, share, and subscribe button. Don't forget that this weekend is the All Black National Convention. Uh, if you're B1, All Black, uh, no corporate sponsorship, no political party sponsorship. We go all weekend, panels on all different kinds of topics. So uh, if you'd like to get your passes, go to allblacknationalconvention.com. That's allblacknationalconvention.com. Now, Chris, I want to mention to you, the only reason I didn't invite you to the convention is because I wanted to give time for the other a lot of the other voices in the community to speak. I want to talk to you one on one. So this is like an extension of the convention uh, because oh, man, you know, I,
2: look, I'm fully supportive. Bro. You got some great people there. I'll be watching. And I think next year. Right. It's in New York.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I
2: live in Jersey. So I'm a, I'm going to try to be there in person next year. So yeah, I, I, I love what you're doing with that, man. It's great. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, like you, you fit the perfect demographic, uh. Because I, and I want everybody to just kind of take a moment and reflect on this. Um, and you're a part of this. Everybody listening, you're a part of this. You like, I, I want you to do something. Share, share this link. You know, share the message. You know, like everybody know, We this is a basketball team where nobody gets to sit on the bench. Everybody, you can box out, you can get a rebound, you can play some defense. You know, you ain't got to always take the shot, but don't just sit there and watch. You got to get in the game, right? So share this link uh, because here's the deal. Uh, we're, we're in a battle. We're in a war right now, you know, and and, and, and I think most conscious black people, and, I, and I'm going to pass the ball to you, Chris, in a minute, in one second. one um, second. Most conscious black people know that the black man is kind of born in the middle of warfare. You know, all the way from before you're born, with with you know, with the whole Margaret Sanger Planned Parenthood phenomenon, right? Yeah. So, so you know, when you're when you're in the middle of a war, um, you have to be strategic. Um, you need different kinds of leadership. Uh, masculine leadership is is a very important component of that. And I will say this, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, man. <clears throat> you know, when I was, when I did talk to Q uh, recently, I said, you know, I think that what's really happening here. And the reason that the Democratic Party is so offended by the idea of of Cube and his team and all the brothers kind of speaking up is this is an issue about they're they're concerned about dealing with the black male. Uh, They're they're not accustomed to masculine leadership from the black community. They, they, you know, know, when you say that they see us as children, um, I would also say that they see us uh, the way a pimp sees his prostitute. You know, it's it's pimping, wow. pimping one on one, and there's no, there's no analogy with pimping that does not apply to what we're dealing with. And so I think they look at our community as a community with no fathers, no men. You know, Biden locked everybody up. He said he said it himself. He said we got a hundred thousand of these predators out here, born to single mothers. You know, that's that's um, you know those are the uh, dog whistle terms for for black men. And there's a hundred thousand of them. We must take them out of society. Well, they succeeded. You know, they, they put all the industrial might of the United States government, $10 billion, built hundreds of prisons around the country, put 100,000 cops on the street, and they effectively eliminated the black male from the equation. So what I see going on here, and i like, I love to get your take on this, because I know how you are about manhood and fatherhood and, and integrity. And, and, and man, that's why I think it's, it's so great for this discussion, is I see a situation where um, they, they were accustomed to almost walking into a household where the father's not there. You know, when the, fa- when the daddy ain't home, the predators can get away with anything. You know, imagine R. Kelly walking into somebody's house and there's no daddy there, right? His, he can sweet talk to mama, sing to her a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they, he's looking at, he's eyeballing the daughter, you know, he's, he's just, he's saying all the right things, going to church with him and everything, but right. they don't understand that the predator's in the house. But when daddy comes home, the conversation shifts. Daddy will see if he's smart. He sees through all of that because he knows he's the protector. He must be uh, the provider leader, strategic thinker uh, of the household. So he's going to see things other people won't see. So when I look at what's going on right now with the black community, with black men stepping up in the middle of everything, almost like raining on people's parade, you know, It's, it's, it's like daddy's home. You know, the black male is not sitting on the sideline anymore. And you're not going to pimp us like little children. You're not going to tell us to get our booties to the polls. You're not going to oh, that stupid little ad. You, you're not going to, you know, slick talk us. You're not going to just be able to say, you go vote, show up and vote. If you don't vote, you don't count. You know, what? because men don't respond well to that. We, we will challenge you back. And I don't think they like that. Can you speak to that in terms of what you see, you know, as, as a black man?
2: man yeah i think first first of all you hit it on the head and and this really is becoming like there if 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 biden doesn't win you can see it now they're kind of setting the black man up as the scapegoat you know and and it is sad that black people who are in the Demo- like sold out to the democratic party whether male or female are playing into it And they will go against, say, a person like Ice Cube who has shown for decades that he's down for our people. And they'll go against him for the benevolent slave master. And obviously, we're not in slavery, but I'm going to use those metaphors a little bit. You know, because the Democrats are just giving us crumbs to sustain us, not to empower us, just to keep us going. I'll admit, they do some programs in the hood and stuff that we, we r- help us right now. And the Republicans take some of that away, but that's just to sustain us, to keep us surviving, not to have help us thrive and be empowered. And that's really what, what the contract with Black America's calling for is real legitimate empowerment. But I I think that um it, th- this is so deep voice because a lot of it is that and and if you look at the let's call it the black lives matter this this whole revolutionary movement right at this point in time it is being led for the most part by women and gay men for the most part you know there are some heterosexual men here and there but for the most part it's women and gay men and not that they shouldn't have a voice but the absence of black male heterosexual leadership in this movement is not only stunning and telling but it is uh i'm trying to look for the word it is a a complete negative Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and when you look at look at the black lives matter website you know before like within the last month what a month ago they took down their their plan for you know <laughs> destroying the nuclear family and you know all that stuff. But I, I gotta go there because obviously they believed it. Yes. First of all, their ideal situation for what they said right was we want to raise we want to dismantle the nuclear family and we want to raise children in villages of apparently you know lesbians, transgenders. Gay men, you know, that's what they they said. Mothers, parents, you know, they use the word parents. They use the word fathers. But that's that's what they're envisioning. Think about that. So that's their ideal. The only way that could work is if the black man remains disenfranchised. If the black man remains at the bottom. If the black man remains locked up, unemployed, unable to take care of his own children. Because where are a group of lesbians, transgenders, and gays gonna get children from? Mm. Where they gonna get kids from? If the black man or any man for that matter is in his right mind and is empowered and is taking care of business, he raising his own kids. Mm. He ain't letting you come in and raise his kids. He ain't. But if he's disenfranchised, if he's like we are today, then he's not raising his kids, he's leaving them with the mother, the baby's mama, he's, you know, giving them up to foster care or adoption, and that's where they would get their children from in their ideal situation. So written into their agenda was the disenfranchisement of black heterosexual males. That's number one. Number two, they said, we want to Destroy the Western prescribed nuclear family. First of all, that's white supremacy right there because that's that is Disrespecting and disregarding black history because if you really know black history, you'll know that the nuclear family Was not is not Western or that's the term for European It's Mm -hmm. not Egypt is the greatest civilization on earth next to America It was African And it was based on the nuclear family. Mm. And if you believe the Bible as I do, it talks about the first human beings, Adam and Eve. In Africa, the Bible says the Garden of Eden encompassed the whole land of Ethiopia. That was a nuclear family. That was the birth of the nuclear family. And even in places where in Asia and Africa, where the extended family is the norm, those extended families the root of them was the nuclear family. The extended family was just like me and my wife and kids living with my parents and brothers, you know, and and then our children, when they get married, they live with us. Like that was a village, but notice the root of all that was the nuclear family. And so I don't care what the Democrats, the Republicans or America in general gives to black people. If we don't get our family situation in order, led by heterosexual men, it ain't going to matter. And so we we have to, that's why part of our neo-reconstruction was we had an addendum about empowering black men to take our rightful place in our families. Mm. And so that is part and parcel to any black revolution. Martin knew it. Malcolm knew it. All of our great freedom fighters in the past have known it. And today, like you said, the Democratic Party, because we know Black Lives Matter is, is an arm of that, they are, they not really, they just they're just disregarding Black heterosexual men. And I do think that's why you see brothers like rising up and being like, yo, what about us? And here's the last thing about that, because I, I know a lot of brothers that are active in the fatherhood movement. And mm-hmm. you remember boys, like two decades ago, I mean, the fatherhood movement was huge. Right. in among our people in the nineties, early two thousands, like that was, it was getting government funding, all that. And I still think it does get some government funding, but since, you know, now you've got same sex marriage, that is really saying you, you don't necessarily need the man, the father and i know that the fatherhood movement has been it's not where it used to be because there's a large portion of you know people that feel like well you you don't need the father if you got two mothers who are stable and they're doing well you really don't li- literally need him and that seems to be some of the feeling that the democratic party has that well the and look and i must say this i think Black women, and some of it, a lot of it's our fault too as Black men. We got to step up. Obviously, systemically, the society has, you know, put all types of obstacles in our path from the war on drugs, mass incarceration, you know, unemployment, bad education, all that stuff that works against us. And then we got to take our own responsibility to take our rightful place. And I do think that, this is part of it too, boys. Black women, unfortunately, feel like they can't count on us. Mm-hmm. Like this, their attitude, some of their, obviously, some of their attitude might be, it might not be, man, you know, forget them, brothers. It might just be a realization of, you know what? The black man ain't doing nothing. The black man can't protect us. The black man can't provide for us. So we got to do it ourselves. We, we got, maybe that's what they're thinking when they talk about the village, you know. Look, yeah. they, they don't, and, and here's the other thing, a lot of sisters' voice are bitter toward black men. And we know that historically that was a plan of white America to have us at odds from, from slavery on up. And we are at odds. And a lot of sisters, let's just keep it real, a lot of these sisters have been, you know, disrespected by brothers. Yes. They've be been abused by black men. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, they may be considered unattractive by black men. A lot of black men, their beauty standards are light skin and straight hair, you know? And the opposite of, of an African American, what a, what a natural black person would look like, you know, in most cases. And a lot of these sisters are bitter about that. Mm. Even if they don't really consciously feel it, they, you know, and that's, and so a lot of them are like, man, forget y'all, screw y'all, you know, and so some of it's out of hurt, pain, necessity, and maybe some of it's also out of, you know, just, just being played by the Democratic Party, but the Democrats are trying to play on this division Mm -hmm. in our community.
1: I, I agree. I agree, man. And by the way, everybody, this is Chris Broussard uh, from Fox Sports, and uh, he's a real smart brother. And We're talking about uh, the rise of the black man uh, during this 2020 election. Uh, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button right now. Uh, also, uh, don't forget the All Black National Convention is this weekend. I will remind you guys of that. And also, um, you should follow Chris on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, man? Uh, Chris underscore Broussard. Chris underscore Broussard. You should follow him. You can tell he's a man of integrity, he believes what he says. And, and uh, that's why I'm glad to have him here. And, you know, let me just say this, man. I'm going to jump on. What First of all, I'm going to ask the audience, everybody watching, give me a yes or no. This is the thing that I think will unify us. Uh, do you think that the family needs the black man? Do, you know, are black men important in the black family? If, they, if you answer yes, then you're this is the right place for you. If you say no or maybe... Then uh, you need to go sit up under Joe Biden. Maybe you can go massage his balls or something because this ain't what we do over here. This is this is not how we live. You know, we 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 believe that the black man matters. You know, um, I can't uh I can't imagine raising my children without their mother. I can't. I, there's no d- day where I can ever walk in and say, you know, uh. I, I can be the man and the woman. I, you know, I I can have a penis and a vagina. I can breastfeed. If she can do it, I can do it. You know, I can nurture you just like your mama. I can teach your mama how to, or I can teach you how to do your hair or, or wear a tampon. I can't do those things. That would be crazy for me to say that. It would be insane for me to think. I, I mean, it would be ridiculous, Hila- almost hilarious for me to think that I could replace their mother and that they wouldn't grow up incredibly imbalanced if I tried to do that. If I tried to be the mother, and I mean, God forbid, if something happened to their mother, I'd have to find another role model to fill that spot. You know, I I couldn't just say, well, I got this. You know, send me a Mama's Day card because I I can be the mother too. That's insanity, right? So if it's insanity for me to say that about their mother, then it would be insanity for for her to say that about me. Black men matter black men matter. And, and, and to your point, you are right. You know, um, there are, uh, uh, you and I both have spoken up in, in terms of dealing with uh, basically talking to men about manning up. Uh, we live in a society where uh, everything that we're hearing in mainstream media is, um, is, is, is in contrast to that. You know, it's an anti-masculinity kind of environment. We have a feminized Society. That's what it is. You know, they, they say the war on women, the war on women is over and women won, right? It, and, and it's okay, right? There's a lot of a lot of ground that needs to be made up, a lot of mistreatment of women that's occurred in the past. Uh, I want to atone for that, you know. But but the thing about it is that there aren't many spaces where the men are are pushed in a position to take charge. Um, also, when you talk about you know how white supremacy kind of did that number and really chopped off the head of the community. By basically going into the communities and locking up all the alpha males, which isn't something that they just started doing. They did that during slavery. They did it in slavery, right? Because how can you enslave a community when when you don't kill off the freedom fighters and the strongest? You got to take the strong ones out first. That's what you do. When when one village 10,000 years ago, when one village conquered another village, First thing they did was they killed the strongest men and the smartest men, wow. right? Yeah. And then they would rape the women and enslave the children, right? And that, thats a formula that's been used all throughout the world, um, and it, it's still used to this day. So I, I think that at, that at that point, it's a matter of black men. Um, I like what's going on right now, man, because I like the fact that we're doing what uh, what we're told to do in books like Powernomics. Uh, in Powernomics, first thing Doctor Anderson does is he describes, he defines power. He says power is the ability to pursue your agenda despite the opposition of others, right? Mm-hmm. That means you, you don't need a permission slip. You're not asking for people to cheer you on. You don't need white folks to start talking about it and say it's okay for you to move forward. And, and you just do it, right? Mm-hmm. So so what I like about what, what, what Ice Cube is doing, I give him all the credit in the world, because he, he's got millions of people that follow him. I have a few hundred thousand. I don't have millions. You know, you've got millions too. I've I seen your, your Twitter, man. And, and when guys like you really represent, I like the fact that it just, it's a natural friction that must occur in a world that is built on competition. And I really think that, that, that the, the, where we understand this most or the best way to understand the world, or one great way to understand the world, at least for me was through sports. You know, in sports, uh, you know, we, we talk about something like white supremacy, right? Uh, a lot of people talk about white supremacy in the context of, you know, okay, these white people think they're better than me, and, and that offends me that you think I'm better than me. Well, in the world of sports, when the Lakers were going to play against the Heat in the finals, you know, I'm sure if you ask some a player on the Heat, who's the better team, the, 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 the Heat player is going to say the, the Miami Heat right? (laughs) Now, were the Lakers offended? Did they say, oh, you've got heat supremacy? We're we're offended. (laughs) Stop it. Just stop it. No. They said, okay, well, we're going to settle this on the court. We'll see who's superior once we go head to head. You settle it on the field. So I think that for the black man, you know, when you talk about this thing called white supremacy, white supremacy most of the time is not to me dangerous when a white man thinks he's better than me. If he can think whatever he wants, I'm going to show him what the truth actually is. Right. Right. Uh, so, if, but if I buckle and back down, then that is in contradiction to uh, the man that I believe God made meant for me to be. You know, that's what a man does. A man's supposed to go and just take what he wants and he doesn't care if you get offended. You know, as long as you ain't violating people and doing nothing illegal, right, right. you go in there and you fight for it. Right. So, I, I like this because you, they're seeing black men fighting back. And of course, they're going to be offended because they're thinking, man, we can't control this community if all their smartest, brightest, baddest men are stepping up. And, and what's also awesome, man, and I'd like to get your, your thoughts on this, is, is I, this was always a dream of mine, man. You know, like, like Dr. King had his dream. One of my dreams was I said, it would be so cool if you had all the, the rappers and athletes, you know, who have you know, millions of dollars and massive platforms and everything else. And they start talking to the smart, you know, smartest people in the community, right? So, and I saw this happening when when we would get guys like um, you know, Louis Farrakhan. Like I, I, you know, I remember they reached out and they were about getting Farrakhan on the Breakfast Club. I said, "Ooh, if I was the white, if I was whatever white man is in charge over there, I said, if I was him, I would not let this happen because he's going <laughs> to unleash the beast of the black man. Because the black man, we're the original man. We're the strongest, most amazing men on the planet, and, and not just." Black men, but I'm talking about African American males. Look at what we went through in order to get here. Like, think about it. There is no, there is no white version of a LeBron James. You know what I mean? There, there's never been a white version of a Shaquille O'Neal like that. To me, that 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 amazing, extraordinary stress, survivability, whatever you want to call it, uh, physical, and mental, comes from what we've gone through. You know, we survived the middle passage. We survived the slave dungeons. We survived mass incarceration. We survived Jim Crow. So long story short, man, I, I think that, um, that, that this is really uh, an amazing awakening period. And, uh, and, and I think that we should just, you know, not worry about what people think. You just continue to move forward. And eventually they'll come to accept it, just like eventually the Miami Heat had to eventually concede that the Lakers were the better team in the NBA finals. What are your thoughts on what I just said?
2: I, I'm not even gonna answer the question. I'm sure you got something to say. Now you you drop so many jewels in there, man. Um, first let me go back to you talked about the necessity of the man. And some people might try to write that off as well, that's religion, you know. Whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Hebrew, you know, that's just religion. No, it's religion too, but it's biology. You know, if 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 me and my wife make a child or children, then biology and nature tells you me and my wife should raise it, period. That's just biology, that's human nature. It's not just religious. So even if you're not religious, that's the man and the woman together should raise the children. You know, so that's number one. And I don't, you know, we've always heard this term, it takes a village to raise a child. And we, of course, we want the village. The village is the is the support system, the school, the you know neighborhood, things like that. The village, though, is secondary. The primary responsibility is me and my wife raising the children, and so that's we we need to get to that number one. Secondly, I'm glad you brought up the whole, the the the. It's almost like the. This, the, this ghost of white supremacy now. And, and obviously whites have, have tried to put that on, on us. But if you look at a lot of the talk now regarding racism and white supremacy boys, and a lot of it coming from white females, they, they are now kind of writing books and teaching classes and saying, look, all white people are racist, right? All white people are racist and all you can do is accept it and accept your white privilege and try to work your way through it. Listen to black people, maybe do some reading, but work your way through it. It'll take a lifetime. You'll never fully get over it, but you just become conscious of your racism and your white privilege. That's what they're saying. There's no answer in that. The answer, that does nothing. Right? And and, and look, the human condition, boys, is that we all have our, our biases, right? Black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian, we got our biases. And like you said, I like black culture. I like it better than white culture. You know, I'm sure white people like, a lot of white people like white culture better than black culture. Like, we got our natural biases and that's fine, okay? But this, this whole touchy feely, we gotta be, just recognize you're racist. And you know, if you're in an elevator and a black man steps in and you feel like a little bit scared, oh my gosh, I'm racist. I can't believe I felt, I don't, I couldn't care less about that. I don't care if a white person don't like me. I don't care if they don't like me cause I'm black. I care when you have the power to hinder or ruin my life. And so what we were saying in Neo-Reconstruction and what Ice Cube saying in the contract with Black America is give us the resources and capital that so we can competently compete as a people, not just in individually, as a people in a capitalistic society. And we're not saying, oh, just give us a handout. Number one, our ancestors obviously earned it. They built this country. Number two, you gave the same resources and capital to white people, including millions of European immigrants, to set them on their right, right footing in this country. Whether it was the Homestead Act, you know, that gave them 270 million acres of land west of the Mississippi to a million and a half whites, did the same thing in the South with the Southern Homestead Act, whether it was the GI Bill after World War II for those 12 years that was was administered racially and didn't get too many blacks whether it was the federal housing administration loans from the 1930s to the 1960s that built the white suburbs and at the same time devalued through redlining the black neighborhoods like you have given whites handout after handout after handout to make sure they can compete in this capitalistic society and we're saying Just like Martin Luther King said shortly before he died, what is, we come in to get our check. That's what he said. He, He was way beyond I have a dream, as great as that was, right? He was saying, we cut the check and we're saying, we gotta get these, give us the resources and capital we need and then we'll build up our, we'll build up ourselves in this capitalistic community, this society. And that's when we can move past this whole racial issue. And so, um, yeah, man, I'm glad brothers are stepping up, but we, and I'm t- I keep sounding the alarm, regardless of who wins this election, we as black men have got to do whatever we can legally to step up and take our rightful place in our families and in our communities. Cause nothing's gonna happen positive for our people without our presence just like nothing would happen positive without the presence of the black woman right on right on
1: everybody in the chat i want you to type hashtag cut the check cut the check (laughs) you know i i i i I use that joe pesci phrase from good fellas you know if you pay me i'm trying not to cut so much i'm trying to detox i got (laughs) i got it from my daddy i know you're a man of face i'm gonna try not to (laughs) but but seriously like if you pay me uh, cut the check. Everybody type hashtag cut the check. Like, I don't care what you think about me. Cut the check. Like, like me or
2: not, it don't matter. Right. Cut the check. right. right if you can't. Hey, cut we're, the check. We're, we're, we're caught up in wanting to be liked. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, we we called him what the first black president. Because I do think he was genuinely com- like comfortable around black people. Like he generally was cool with us. But in turn, what did he do? He locked up more black black uh, men than any other president in history. Yeah. And Joe Biden is saying, I like you. I like you. I, look, I got a black vice president. And we're just glossing completely over the, the crime bill, right? <laughs> we're just glossing fully over that he locked up all these black men and fueled the, uh, the, the destruction of the black family for one entire generation. It was already a motion, but he he took it to, you know, another level. And we're just looking over that because he seemed like he's going to like us. Yeah. And we got to, it's about, look, because here's the thing, and, and I want to say this when people jumped on Cube for, for, he hasn't even met with Trump, but, you know, meeting with his people, Trump's people. Right. Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, and Muhammad Ali, three of the fiercest champions for black people we've ever had met with the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. So you going to cancel them? You going to cancel them? And then here's the other lesson we need to learn. Lyndon Johnson, who, had, who enacted the most progressive policies for black Americans since reconstruction the civil rights bills, the voting rights bills, and the um, the he started affirmative action. He was an avowed racist. Everybody knew it. He called the civil rights bills the nigger bills. Here's what he called them. But yet he enacted this legislation that really helped us, you know, as a people. And so why did he do it? Because he felt the heat. He was pressured. 'cause Malcolm X was saying y'all a bunch of political chumps. The Democrats just play y'all as chumps and he said he was saying it just based on 4 years. Mm. Now we've had how many years? 60 years of just totally blindly following the Democratic Party and we being played like chumps and Lyndon Johnson saw that and feared that that might affect the black vote what Malcolm was saying. And he enacted these civil rights acts, voting rights act and affirmative action. And so he didn't like us. Mm. I don't think, I mean, the way he talked and all that, he didn't like us. So mm. it's not about being liked, it's about demanding, that's politics, demanding what we deserve. And mm. I hear people say, well, and they, look, I don't know, Trump, I, I'm not gonna vouch for his character one eye over. So he maybe wouldn't do the 500 billion, right? Or the platinum plan. But I hear Black saying, well, he's just doing that to get our vote. Yes! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's you know. what, like, come on, that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, so it's just, I, we just being emotional about this, this situation to a point where I don't think we look at, some of us aren't looking at things logically. Well, man,
1: it's it's like, it's like if you run a store, if you, have a, if you have a department store and somebody comes in your store and they and you give them a product and they give you money imagine if your friend said he's not giving you that money because he likes you he's only giving you that money because you gave him a product how <laughs> <That was> stupid <laughs> would that sound he's like, <laughs> if you wasn't giving him eggs and milk and chicken he wouldn't give you that 15 dollars he ain't <laughs> well why else yeah. would he give me money if i wasn't giving him something in exchange absolutely it's, uh, it, it's real weird it's um you know it, uh, it's it's really uh uh, we think deeply about this self-esteem issue. I mean, that's really what you're talking about, right? You're talking about a self-esteem issue where you got people in the community who uh, need to be told by white people that we are okay. You know, like that is, uh, and, and, and really that is a type of white supremacy uh, where we look up to them almost like older siblings or like our parents. Like, Like, I need you to approve of me. I need you to tell me that I'm okay. Tell me I'm a good person. Tell me I'm a successful Negro. And then I'm going to feel better about myself because before you came along, I was just a black man, which means I was nothing. Right. Um, So I think that in order for us to really fight for what we want, fighting and and, and, and going to war, you remember, we talked earlier about this being war that demands a certain amount of self-esteem, you know, uh, like if I'm, if, if I'm trying, you know, because going back to sports, if I'm playing against the Lakers and trying to beat the Lakers, I can't be on the court asking LeBron for his autograph. You know, I can't. Like, how you doing, sir? I'm your biggest fan, and it really meant a lot. But you told me to have a good jump shot like that. You don't do that. You don't do that. You know, you you got. If you can't see yourself as capable of defeating the opponent, then you will never do that, right? So, I I think also another thing that's interesting as well to your point is, you know, we will we we get deeply caught up, you know, in, in the political space in what we think other people think about us, and so if we catch somebody making a racial slur, like, oh, you know, he said the N-word, or he said whatever. So, so we, we have this really strong visceral reaction, almost to the point where it discredits anything that that person could do uh, with us, for us. Like It's like you're, you're, you're now banished as a, as a bad person. Uh, any Black person who talks to you or works with you is, 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 is aligning with white supremacy. But I want you to reverse the roles, right? Now, when we're sitting around talking to other Black people, Think about how many, how much crazy stuff we say about white people when they ain't looking. Yep. Yep. You know, seriously, I, it ain't even just white people. I've been around black people who talk bad about white people, Asian people, Jewish people, like all kinds of people. So, what if somebody heard? What if your boss? And think about this: you did it. You know, again, you because you said terrible things about white people at the dinner table. You know, all y'all have stop line, right? What if, what if your, what if your boss overheard what you said, and somebody said, you know he should be fired because he clearly hates white people. He's clearly a racist, right? It would be ridiculous, right? Because if you would say, no, that has nothing to do with my ability to do this job. I may not like the guy, but I don't dislike everything. I don't don't hate him, you know, like I still want to work at UPS or whatever, right? That's what we do. We talk crazy about white folks. Then we will go give them our lives. Like we would, we will give, you know, a hundred thousand hours of labor across a lifetime 40 hours a week, you know what I mean? (laughs) But 40 years, to people that we will talk crazy about every single day of the week. So uh, my point on this is to say that I think we got to get past the emotional side of of, of politics in the sense of getting caught up in whether or not we think somebody likes us. Like, that, it doesn't even, it it just literally matters almost not at all. In fact, actually, if you look at the real world as well, sometimes somebody who likes you uh, can can screw you over uh, and, and somebody who doesn't like you doesn't care about you doesn't even know you can do right by you depending on the situation right so um i i would I personally say um that that i'm gonna let you get the last word on this man because I, I know you got you got a busy schedule but i i what i really want to see as well is i think that when you're talking about political issues <clears throat> and i'm gonna shift just a little bit here you mentioned earlier that police brutality isn't the only thing right <clears throat> like right now uh, if you watch the Joe Biden ad real carefully, uh, basically what they're offering is protection. They see black people as a um, a wounded class, uh, almost disabled. Like you have no men, you have no intelligent people. So we're going to protect you. We're going to protect you from uh, police shoot- shooting black men, which we know is important when it happens, but but that's not the only issue. Um, also, we're going to protect you from COVID. Uh, and I think there's a couple other things, right? We might give you a job. Right, okay. All right. So, so one of the things I, I have an issue with, with that is that uh, it seems to me that we always let others lead the conversation. They're, like they decide what issue matters. Like they decide that COVID is the number one health threat to Black people, even though I can name 10 things that have killed 10 times more Black people. Or they decide that police shootings in a little vacuum is important. Not the 100,000, 200,000 Black men that have been locked up since the Biden crime bill, but that one guy who got shot that we're going to memorialize at every black lives matter rally i would like to see us actually leading the conversation you know meaning that 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 if you come and tell me what you think is important you're 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 the one who's going to kind of decide how things happen after that you've got me responding to you whereas one way to assert your control and power uh, and again, I probably get this from sports, I get it from poker, et cetera, is you have to define the narrative. You got to decide what the story is going to be, what the conversation is going to be about. Um, how do you think that, that going forward as Black people, we can gain that ability to literally sit down with people and say, no, no, we, we, we know what you think that we need. We're going to tell you what we need.
2: Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, one, I, I think you're doing what you're doing. That's why it's so essential. Because, I mean, you have this platform that is growing by leaps and bounds and you're reaching a lot of people so this is you know i gotta say this and i'm in you know journalism i'm in news i'm in you know i'm in sports but it's it's still news and journalism they're the only news or real journalism that we get nowadays for the most part and it's not even fully real but it's the closest thing to unbiased journalism are the network news, ABC, NBC, CBS. That's the closest thing where they just give you what's happening, right? And people need to understand, and I know a lot of your viewers do, but when you watch CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you're, that's not journalism and it's not news. It is an agenda. It is, and I know because in my field, sports, I'm on Undisputed with Skip, and Sha- Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. I'm on, you know, all these debate shows, First Things First with Nick Wright and, and my radio show, even the I Couple. We're not reporting news. We're not acting as journalists on that show, those shows. We are giving our opinion. Stephen A., my boy Stephen A. Smith on uh, First Take, he's giving his opinion. And so we are pushing our opinions on those shows and we don't come to us for the hardcore news, come to us for our opinion. If you want to watch, get the real, what's really unobjective, you know, or objective, unbiased news, you got to go to sports center or something like that. It's the same thing in the, you know, the, the mainstream news. Don't go to CNN, Fox, or MSNBC for the news. If you want a political, a a particular spin, you can go to one of them. But if you want just what's going on in the world, you might maybe BBC or, but you know, ABC, NBC, uh, CBS. So people need to understand that. When you watch Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, uh, whoever else, you're not getting news. You're not getting anything unbiased. It's, it's It's a spin. And so that's the thing. So uh, one thing, I think we need more platforms like what you're creating. And with today's technology, you can have those things. Two, I do think, like I said, Black men and women need to step up. Like, I, I'm so glad you brought that point up, Royce, Boyce, because I've, I've talked with some people in the, on the Democratic side of the whole thing. And, you know, they got their clergy that they talk to, that they want to push them, Christian pastors, Muslim imams and all that. And I've told them, you know, we are the most religious people in the country, which correlates to being the most socially conservative people in the country. And yet we're consistently in the pocket of the Democratic Party, which is anything but socially conservative. And I told the person I was talking to who represents these these clergy, this clergy, look, you gotta make sure they need to tell the Democratic Party to make sure our religious organizations and churches and, and synagogues and mosques have the liberty to preach what they want from the pulpit. So if you're a Muslim imam you can preach what the Quran says about gender and sexuality. If you're a Christian pastor, you can preach what the Bible says about gender and sexuality without any you know, repercussions from the government. Because I think that's, that's where the Democrats are leaning. And I think they would go there. And that's a prime example, voice of, you got all these clergy siding with the Democrats but not stepping up and saying, but hold up, Mm -hmm. we need this. You got to make sure I I got my right to preach, thus saith the Lord, from my church, from my mosque, from my temple, whatever. If you ain't saying that, then what? You just a chump. I mean, really? That's supposed to be the main and most important thing to you and you just throwing that away for, for the crumbs that we getting? And so we have to stand up and not let. Look, let's keep it real. We know that white American society for four hundred some odd years has been lying to us. And so now we're gonna believe everything they say about all these these other lifestyles, and, you know we're just gonna take that. You know, forget what our faith says, forget what we we were taught, forget what we really feel. We just going to buy into what they say, even though they've been lying to us for 400 years, we just going to go hook, line, sinker with it. So and, and let, let this is the last thing I'd like to say. Um, I was talking to my brother and um, he was in the nation of Islam. You mentioned Louis Farrakhan. He was in the nation of Islam for about eight to 10 years. Did security at the first million man March in 95 was really, you know, deep in it. He's out now, been out for a while, but that shows he's a conscious brother. You know, he's, he's a, a strong black man. And I was talking to him a few, maybe a t- less than two months ago. And, and, and I use this illustration so much voice. And I heard it from Dr. Claude Anderson, the monopoly, right? The monopoly metaphor to describe the condition of black America with the monopoly game. I think it's, Fan, it's the greatest metaphor I've heard, you know, to describe. And, it, and when I share it with white people, you know, they, their eyes open, you know? And they're like, because, you know, a lot are like, well, I don't see color. And, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, in the 60s, we settled all that. And then I share with them the monopoly metaphor. And they're like, I never thought of it that way. You know what I mean? Like, it really is eye-opening. And I was talking to my brother about six weeks ago and I said, and I shared with him, I said, we, I told him that experience with these different people and opening their eyes. And I said, we got to get this, like if we can just share this with whites, then they can see and understand, you know, the situation better. And then, you know, they'll be more open to something like reparations or whatever. And he said, maybe he said or maybe maybe they just think we like the monopoly metaphor you know for three hours you've been playing the game and i can't play by the same rules as you right so i'm way behind he said maybe they just like it was your fault for let for playing for three hours letting them take advantage of you for three (laughs) hours you know and 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 they they look down on you, they think you inferior, they think you were stupid for letting yourself get in that position mm. right and 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 I was like, I had not thought of it that, but he's right. a lot of them may be like man, they like, look, we've seen a lot of our top athletes and you know talk about how afraid they are, right, of the cops and how." Terrified, and crying. Now, is that getting through to white people, or are some of them? Yup, y'all, y'all, y'all so big and bad. Yo, yep. you a great football player, but look at you—fear, scared, yeah, crying. You know what I'm saying? Your biggest, that's your biggest and baddest men, crying, mm-hmm. terrified, scared. You know, and, and looking down on us, thinking we're inferior. Not thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to help you and be benevolent. But thinking, y'all y'all stupid for being in the position you in. You're weak for being in the position you're in. And so what we can't, if we, we can present to them what we need you to do for us and help us, and we want them to do it, but whether they do or don't, we have to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, if we the Miami Heat. We got to go out there and do whatever we can to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. We can't worry about if they're they going to turn the ball over, if they're going to miss shots. That's great. That helps us. Yeah, that's great. But if they don't turn the ball over, if they shoot lights out, we still got to do what we got to do to beat them. There you go and so that's the attitude we have to take mm-hmm. in this situation um, whether you know no matter what what white America decides to do for us.
1: Well I love it I love it.
2: Um, okay so what I get out
1: of what Chris just said everybody is uh, the, the the word for today is accountability you know especially for you men, accountability accountability means, you take you, you, that, that you must believe that you have power and control over your circumstances, even when you really don't. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's not uh, empowering to believe that you have no power. Nobody is ever empowering you by reminding you that you have no power. And you're right, Chris. I mean, if, if, if a man is crying about what another man did to him, you're basically bragging about, about his accomplishment. You're making him proud. You know, he's saying, look at you crying like a little punk. And if you, you keep messing up, I'm gonna make you cry some more. Right? Crying does not back the bully off. Crying only emboldens the bully. Right? We we know this, right? So I, I agree with you 100%. Man, I th- I think the points you made were excellent. And uh, and everybody, uh, I want you, uh, if you could, please take a second and give this brother a digital round of applause. Just I'll uh, put a thank you in the chat uh, for what Chris is doing. This is Chris Broussard uh, from Fox Sports, and um, he does a lot of other really good work.
2: Uh, tell me about that the organization. They had the word. It was King. Uh, yeah. We, I lead a, an organization, a men's movement called the King Movement, uh, which stands for knowledge, inspiration, and nurture through God. It's a national Christian men's movement built to strengthen men in their daily walks with Christ. So we can be the husbands, fathers, leaders, citizens, role models that God created us to be. Uh, anybody interested, you can check it out at kingmovement.com or email us at king at So yeah, and like, like we've been talking, we are, we are about um, man, masculine leadership. Yep. You know, men taking their place in their rightful place in our families, in our communities, right next to our women. You know, um, we're not, obviously not anti-women or anything like, my wife's a medical doctor. My daughters are, you know, highly educated college graduates. So we, we, are, we are empowering our women and, and supporting them. But we're also saying men need to step up and we got to do what God created us to do.
1: There you go. That's right. So kingmovement.com, correct? Yep. King okay. And, uh, and also on Instagram. or in, in, uh, in, uh, Instagram, The
2: King Movement. The King Movement. Um, at thekingmovement.com or at the King Movement uh, okay. is where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, same thing. Yeah.
1: All right, all right. So everybody in here, um, uh, uh, thank. Uh, let's let's thank Chris Moussard, Give him a digital round of applause. Uh, do me a favor, guys. Hit the thumbs up button, and also, body to uh, you know, pitch a hand into what we're trying to do. You guys are our distribution network. You know, we, we don't have billions of dollars, but we have you, which is worth trillions of dollars. So all we need you guys to do is give a verbal commitment that you're going to take the link to this video and put it on your Facebook, share it somewhere. If you could just share it on your Twitter, wherever you can, give me a yes, if you can do that. Uh, because uh, as you know we we need our community back and we are taking control this you are watching the takeover as it's happening you are a part of the revolution that will be discussed for the next 100 years so give yourselves a, a you know a pat on the back because because we we shown up and we we ain't going away we ain't going nowhere all right guys so um everybody thank you guys for hanging out with us and uh and uh, don't forget all black national convention starts on friday that's allblacknationalconvention.com allblacknationalconvention.com and thanks a lot, Chris, man. I, I yeah. really appreciate this, brother. Thank All you All right, brother, we'll talk soon, man. All right, yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right, everybody, have a good day. See you soon, man. All right.
0: Here we are, Clanderisms, Cataclysm, Great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own, educate the same, and buy back your home. Got three degrees.